Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Good morning, everybody. So great to see you. Grab a Bible and uh, actually turn to the very first page of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be looking at that. Uh, we're actually going to be studying the book of Ruth. Uh, that's the eighth book of the Bible in the Old Testament. So for the next uh, three weeks, we're going to be in Ruth. It's an amazing little book. I would encourage you to go home, uh, read it, uh, read it every week, because I think you're going to have a greater understanding of what the book is about, so that when I come and teach about it, uh, hopefully you're going to be able to glean so much more. But what we're going to be talking about throughout the book of Ruth, if you don't know uh, the story of Ruth, it's a story of tragedy turned into triumph. And I think all of us have either been there or you may go there that it starts out in our life that you may have amazing dreams in your life and then something happens and you go from a dream to reality of something down here happens and kind of shatters everything that you were hoping for. And then God intervenes and somehow brings what we might call a redemption out of this, that God can redeem this. He can, he can do something positive out of something that was bad that started as a dream, turned into be a tragedy. Now God is able to do something amazing. And I think you can see patterns of that in your life. But the book of Ruth is really going to highlight that for us in an amazing way. Uh, let me just start out. I'll tell you a story. This is a, my story. Uh, it goes back to 1994. And I know for some of you that's maybe a few years ago. Uh, so in 1994, I had just... Uh, been a pastor for three years out. I was ordained in 1991. It was 1994. And it was kind of an important year for me. Because as I studied through the scriptures, Jesus started his public ministry when he was 30. So I would tell you that in all of my training, I kept feeling like I'm in training up till 30. I'm in training up till 30. And so I really was very intentional about learning, about studying, about growing training up, what else can I learn? What else can I grow? How else can I do this? So that maybe when I'm 30, I would actually like more start ministry because that's when Jesus did it. And lo and behold, it was in October of 1994. I'm 30 years old. I'm excited because I finally hit that 30-year mark. And I met with a district president and um, he called me into a meeting. So I went to this place met with him, and he said, resign your call. I said, what? He said, I want you to resign. We had started a new church. It was one year old. We had just actually celebrated the anniversary, and I'm like, you want me to quit? Yep. Why? And he couldn't really give me a good answer. He just said, look, resign. So here, at 30, I'm thinking, I'm just starting. I didn't know I was done. And I was done. So got out and was working construction. And it was in that six months that I was working construction I said to God, I'm done. I mean, I'm, 
I'm done with ministry. I don't ever want to go back. And the last thing I want to do is serve a church. God has a sense of humor. If you ever want to know what God's plan is, just tell him what you think. And God will maybe reveal something different. So it's my personal story of, here's my dream to follow God, serve God in pastoral ministry. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. And for no moral wrongdoing, nothing wrong. I want to assure you that. Nothing was wrong there. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about church politics. I got caught in the middle of church politics, and it was under those, I don't know, precipice maybe, um, that I was asked to resign. Six months later, God calls me back into ministry. And I still remember uh, that phone call. I was sitting at, at home, and my phone rang, and I got a phone call from this guy. His name is Don Cavallini, and he just said, Are you Pastor Ed Dorner? And I'll tell you what, my stomach just like sank. Like I had this pit in my stomach. I said, uh, yeah, who is this? He said, Don Cavallini. He says, we just called you to be our pastor. And I remember thinking, who are you? Where are you from? Forget it. We went down to visit and my wife and I agreed it'd be a great visit and we're going home. We're never coming back because we're really done. And uh, God had other plans. So I made an agreement with God. Uh, I said, okay, God, it was actually Mother's Day of 1995 that I actually um, started there. I said, okay, God, I'll give you to the end of the year. If it doesn't go well by the end of the year, I'm going home. I quit. I'm going to go back into construction, do something different with my life. And I felt like God said, all right, we have an agreement. And I think it was in January of that next year, 1996, I was sitting at my desk and I just found, you know, that whisper of God. He says, what was that about the end of the year? What was that thing you told me that you're done? And I was having the time of my life. See, God can take a dream that gets shattered and God can do something with it and bring something out of it. And we're going to look at the example of Ruth and you probably have your own story or you will have your story because that's just how life is. But this story starts with God. This is an incredible story. I mean, look at Genesis 1, okay? So, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. There's the dream. There's God's dream. Let's make man in our image. Men, women, we'll make them in our image. And guess what? They're going to they're gonna rule over everything. They're going to take care of the garden. Um, God had great plans for us, amazing plans for us. Now jump down to verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Incredible. There was God's dream to have this amazing relationship with Adam and Eve and then their children. I mean, God said, you can read it. God told them to be fruitful. That's back in verse 28. God blessed them, said be fruitful, increase in number. God was going to have this incredible relationship with everybody. Okay, go to chapter 6. Just a few pages over. Find verse 5. We went from this amazing dream of God to the Lord God 
saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. How did that happen? I mean, we went from God's dream to reality. Wish I never made him in the first place. But thank God for redemption. That was Jesus. We went from here to here, and God said, it's not the end of the story. I can bring something out of this. And you have to understand your part of God can bring something out of this. You sitting here this morning, that through Jesus, God has a relationship with us again. That God wants to walk with us. God wants to be in our life. God wants to guide us, direct us, lead us, hear our prayers, answer our prayers, celebrate with us, cry with us, live life with us, and ultimately spend eternity with us. So by you sitting here this morning, you are part of God's redemptive plan. Now what does this mean, redemption? It means to get back. You see, we were lost. We ran away. We took off from God. We didn't want anything to do with God. And God got us back. That's redemption. Here's another example or another uh, definition of redemption. It's to overcome something detrimental. That God is able to bring the detrimental and God is able to win us back, bring us back, and do something with this. Here's another example or another definition. It's to free from the consequences of sin. That's another redemption. So God you know, here's reality, and usually it's because of sin that we crash and there's tragedy that happens, and then God is able to do something, free us from the consequence of that sin, not always the consequences of the actions. I mean, sometimes there's just consequences, but God is able to turn those consequences into something good. We call that redemption. So our lives are living testimonies of God created us to be in a relationship with him. We fell away from God, and God wins us back. Then sometimes in life, we have these dreams. We set out with great dreams. Life happens that disrupts those dreams, destroys those dreams, and God is able to bring something good out of it. We're living in this, and this is like a daily thing. All right, now, now start turning over to Ruth. Because the book of Ruth, and it's the eighth book in the Old Testament, give you an idea of where it is, and the book of Ruth is part of this tragedy of what does God do in a person's life. So I want you to read through Ruth with me. And as we're looking at Ruth, I want you to say, God, how can you take my life? Because I don't know where you are. You may be in the dreamy stage. You may be in the tragedy stage. You may be in the redemptive stage. But you see, the redemptive stage is partly optional. Because we can get to the tragedy start part and say, I quit, I'm done. I mean, go back in my story. If I would have said to God, I really don't care 
about this church that you called me to. I'm not going. I'm staying in construction. And I could have been the last 30 years in construction. So in some ways, there is a choice in tragedy that God wants to get us back. God wants to put us back on track. And you and I have a choice. We have a choice to either come out of this and seek God and say, can you do something with this? But it means something different. It means something hard, something that I'm not used to. I don't know how to do this. I've never done this before because I went from dream to tragedy to redemption. I don't know how to do this life, God. What does this look like? And God is able to do this, but we also are partnering with God. It doesn't just automatically happen. God gives us opportunities for us to do it. Somewhere along the way, we have to say yes to what God is doing. And if we don't, then we're going to be stuck in the tragedy and the loss and the woe is me part of it. And some people get stuck there for the rest of their life. Okay, so Ruth. All right. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem to... Uh, so a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malan and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Okay, you get the scenario. Um, here's a map so that you kind of know uh, where we are. So they're from Bethlehem. You can see in the left side there. Uh, and then they went to Moab. So probably about the distance of walking from here to Detroit. So not overly large, maybe down into Ohio. Um, they had to go from Bethlehem down to Moab because there's a famine. See, this is something that they had no idea. That God had a generational plan in mind. And I'm going to spoil it for you and tell you that Ruth, one of these women from Moab, is the great-grandmother of David, King David. So God uses a famine to bring them over to Moab and tragedy happens. I mean, imagine if you are Naomi. That's, imagine you left full. Your dream was to have a family and you have a husband and you have two sons and they grow up. And now you go over to Moab. You go 100 miles away. There's food there. There's rain there. There's, you can go and you can live. And while they're over there, now your husband dies. And then tragically, I mean, I can't imagine this. Two of your sons, your only two sons die. Your only two children die. And you're left. You're left in Moab. Talk about going from my dream of having a life and a family to I have nothing. I have nothing. And I would imagine if you could sit down with Naomi, she'd say, I just wish I died. I want to die. And we're going to see how this impacted her. All right, let's go on. 
So when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Can you relate to when you're in that place? And here her daughters-in-law are clinging to Naomi. And Naomi says, just go home. Just go. Leave me alone. Just leave me be. Let me go. Die. Back in my home country. And you'll see this. I'm not... I'm not Pushing this on her, you're going to see her thoughts in just a few minutes or when she goes home. So now she's trying to just like get rid of everybody in her life, like leave me all alone, and I'm just going to go back by myself. So then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. I mean, they were grieving for her. They were willing to give up their country. They were willing to give up all of them all of their livelihood, everything, to go with Naomi back to her country, probably so she wouldn't be alone. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons? Who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. There's a clue clue for us. If there's still hope for me. Is she seeing redemption? No. There's no hope for me. And even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. There, we're getting a clue. It's more bitter for me because the Lord's hand was against me. You want to talk about feeling alone? What do you do when you feel like God is to blame? It's different if it's your boss. It's different if it's something else. It's different if it's someone or something you can be really angry about. But what do you do when it was the Lord's hand that was against me? I mean, remember, what does redemption mean? To get back. You can see that Naomi is like, I just want to go die. God's against me. Life is against me. The world is against me. I have nothing. You all go home, and I will go home. A bitter and hopeless woman. That's, that's where she was at. Verse 14. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. See, we don't know where Ruth was 
in her relationship with God. But what did she declare? I will embrace your God. This God who may seem like he's been very bitter towards you, I will embrace him and I will go with you. Verse 17, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Here's what I want you to see. They couldn't see a redemption. They couldn't see a plan. They couldn't see God doing anything. Couldn't see it. God's hand was on this. Orpah went home. Ruth, God just put on her heart, you hold on to Naomi. Hold on to her because I'm about to do something amazing that you know nothing about. There are some times that we're like Naomi, bitter, angry at God, push God away, and say, fine, you're going to be that way, then I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to give anymore. I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm bitter. I'm angry. Get away from me, God. Sometimes we may feel like Naomi. Sometimes we might feel like Ruth. Like, I don't know what it is, but I have to go with you. I don't know why. And it goes against all logic. I'm going to a foreign country with my mother-in-law to live there, to die there. I'm going to abandon my home. I'm going to abandon my family. I'm going to abandon my gods, if you will. I'm going to abandon everything that I know and embrace anew. Why? We can't answer that. But something in her was just like, I don't know why, but I have to do this. Sometimes you're Ruth. Sometimes God puts something on our heart that we don't realize that it's part of this redemption thing of God winning back, God getting back, God about to do something amazing. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told me. She told them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. This is where God is sometimes so fascinating for us. Naomi means pleasant. I mean, sometimes you got to go, what? Your name is Pleasant. But you're bitter. Uh-huh. Hello, Pleasant. You know, that's like saying, hi, Smiley, to somebody who's frowning and really angry. Hello, Smiley, you know. It doesn't go together. And here's this very bitter woman because she lost everything. And I think we could all understand how she could be that way. But she says, don't call me Pleasant, call me Bitter. Call me bitter because I am. That's who I am now. I am now my nature, my being. I am bitter. Why? Because God made my life bitter. Second time, God did this to me. And I'm bitter. And I have every right to be bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. A third time, God did this. Why, can't, why call me pleasant. A fourth time, the Lord has afflicted me, the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Fifth time, 
Are you, are you catching where she's at? I'm angry at God. 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 Because God did this. So now, I'm bitter. Let me die a bitter old woman. Boy, dream to tragedy. Can you just relate? It's not the end of the story. Redemption is coming. So then we just wrap it up. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. There are times that we have to wait for redemption. We can't see it. There's times that we set out for this dream, tragedy strikes and we think, I'm done, I wanna die. Just the other day, somebody told me, I'm done. I'm done, I wanna die. That's heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching when somebody says, I don't wanna live. And I don't know about you, my heart just breaks. Like, it's so painful for them to be at a point that they just don't want to live. And that's really hard. They can't see, they can't see redemption. Because they're stuck. And it can happen to all of us that we get to a point of, I don't want to live, God. And this is where faith comes in. Faith says, no matter what happened, even if it's God, and we blame God for all of it, God's promise is to bring good out of bad. Romans chapter eight, I just wanna read one verse for you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Don't ever lose hope. And if you're walking with somebody who's right here, just be a friend because they need to know that hope is coming, that they have hope and they don't want to be alone. This is why Jesus, the last thing he said, I'm with you always. We are never alone. God is with us no matter what. Even when we can't see the redemptive part, it's coming. I want to show you a video. Uh, this is a real story. It's a real person's story that's going to highlight dreams in the tragedy and the redemption. It's by the one, the author of the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Take a look. 
Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.